Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have channeler and near-death experiencer, Franco Romero. Now, Franco had a near-death experience when he was six months old that left him with clairvoyant abilities. This is one for the books, guys, so I hope you enjoy my conversation with Franco Romero. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Franco Romero. How are you doing, Franco? Great, man. Great. Thanks for letting me be on your show. Excited. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. We've just spent, I think, 40 minutes just talking <laughs> and catching up, and we're like fast friends. It's like we've known each other from another life or something. I swear, uh, right? <laughs> we're like, hey, man, we should start recording some of this stuff. It's pretty good. <laughs> so uh, my first question to you, my friend, is what was your life like before you had this near-death experience? Well, that's the interesting thing, okay? Because uh, my near-death experience happened when I was six months. Wow. So my life through that period until I was 15, 16 years old was kind of sort of like most kids, but not really. Because mm -hmm. it's kind of like one of those movies where you got to see the the ending first and then you kind of figure out how you got there. Mm -hmm. In my situation, I started having what most people would consider either supernatural or paranormal experiences from a very early age. Mm -hmm. At the age of seven, I was living in a home that basically was what I call the hauntings because it was basically anything you want to imagine was happening in that house. Mm -hmm. And like a good B movie, I just, for whatever reason, my family never wanted to leave for years. But the things that went in there or went on in there were pretty pretty intense mm -hmm. um but being a kid i didn't know that i just kind of thought this was rather normal in some way the interesting thing about that though alex was that when i was in that experience i i also it was the first time that i actually started to experience an internal voice mm -hmm. uh, the sense that there was something speaking to me not just whatever was out there and years later, much, many, many, many years later, that that voice became this kind of friendship thing that I had throughout the rest of my life that I started when I was a kid. And that voice became what was known as Caleb or is known as Caleb, the collective. And, and it was through that relationship that I wrote the book. And so going back at 15, I started having visions and dreams quite consistently about this event that happened in my life. Um, when I was six months, but the first time, the first couple of times that I had it, it was just kind of like one of these lucid 
arrangements or dreams where I'm kind of trying to figure out why am I having this dream over and over again? Why am I in this hospital? Why am I seeing my mom? Why am I seeing some family members? And they're all young. And why am I seeing this little baby in a kind of like this incubator in a small little hospital in South America? And I couldn't really quite figure out what this was all about, but it didn't take too long, probably maybe about a half a year or so of these visions and dreams coming in and out um, that I realized pretty, pretty much that I was reliving, re recounting or recanting a, a, an experience that I had. So I actually, to your question, and how was it after or before? It's just like, it depends on which way you're looking at it. Because for me, my experiences of the near death that I had didn't happen for me. It didn't become real to me until I was about 15 or 16. And, and so I saw the visions. I saw this whole scene playing out in the hospital. I, but the crazy thing, if that wasn't crazy enough, but the, the thing that really got me was that I could feel the vibe. The, the vibrations, the feelings, the emotions were were very vibratory. There, there, there was a like frequency like, and that was the kind of the thing that I couldn't really make sense because back then nobody was telling me anything about anything. I didn't know how I had died. Um, but what I could really pick up on was the fact that my mother, uh, who I was really close with, I could really pick her up. I mean, I could really feel her emotions. I could feel her thoughts. And I say feel because it wasn't like I heard it. I could sense it. Anyway, um, that experience of seeing that, and, and there's more to it, but I just want to answer your question in, in, a, in a more direct way. It was a series of events from the hauntings through to when I finally started. I mean, I was by the time I was gone from, the, from that place, I knew that life wasn't really kind of what people were telling me it was. But it wasn't until I had the visions and dreams that I really started to realize that something was completely, completely different here. And um, I wasn't feeling like this was home to me. I was feeling like somewhere else was home to me. And I wanted to have those visions as much as I could um, because the visions weren't just about the hospital scene. They were also about what happened when I crossed over. And that's the part that when those visions and those dreams came into play and the intensity of those, like, I mean, it, it's like what everybody talks about. I literally was in them, immersed in them in all sorts of ways that I, I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. I had to eventually confront my mom with it and say, did any of this by any chance actually happen? And when I explained to her what I saw, especially the hospital stuff, um, she she kind of flipped. She she <laughs> her mouth. I remember that we were in the kitchen and her mouth dropped open, and she said, "Everything you just told me, every conversation that I had in that moment when they told me you were going to die, everything is exactly the way it trans transpired. Everything, even." things that other people wouldn't have known what happened when she got the news and so on, where, where, where she went and so forth. And so she encouraged me to share it with somebody, but man, look, look, I don't want to date myself, but this was before the internet. Mm -hmm. There was nobody to talk to. Yeah. So I didn't, I kept it to myself. So after that, when you keep, when, as I'm sure many people have told you, when you keep that kind of truth bottled up, uh -huh. It, it eats you up. It eats you up. So, so long-winded answer to your question, but it's been, um, well, 
an odyssey at the very least. I, I in the book that I wrote about it, all of this, um, I call it the outer journey and the inner quest because there are two separate events that go on and all that. And um, I was definitely living a lot of the outer journey, which is what most people do. So um, yeah, so that that, that it's never been nor normal if you want it, whatever normal is these days. <laughs> So, all right. So, so um, let's go over before we get into some other visions. Can you go over the experience that you remember of the actual near death experience? Yeah. Like, yeah. When yeah. You went to the other side. Yeah. So uh, when I, like I said, when I was six months old, I was starting to develop, I, I developed um, sort of this upper respiratory condition. And at the time, uh, my mom didn't think much about it. She just assumed that we were that she, that that I was just experiencing a cold. And so we had a little clinic hospital in in the in the city uh, that she in the neighborhood that she lived in. And um, she took me there. And within, but it, when I came in, it was the condition she that she was telling me about was was really kind of progressing. But but. They they just they just figured that that everything would be fine. They wanted to keep me overnight for not for observation, but nothing that was sounding any kind of alarm. Within about two to three hours, everything just started to turn. It, it it was as if you know this mild condition had just erupted, and I was really having a hard time breathing. Um, and it was apparent to the doctors that I that I had something more than just a cold. So they told my mother at the time that um, they were going to watch me, but they kind of had this feeling that the the things could get maybe a little bit worse before it got better. Um, about four hours into this, I mean, this thing was just rapidly going. Four hours into this, they one doctor pulled my mother uh, out of the room and um, told her, and this is kind of where I zipped into my dream uh, basically told her that it didn't look like I was going to make it through the night that they wanted to know if there was anything they could do like maybe bring in the priest and pray for me and do my last rites for me and and I remember feeling like the room had shifted in energy and I could feel that she had disconnected with the conversation and I could feel as though I was kind of inside of her, but not really. I always felt like I was just on the outside of her. And, mm -hmm. and I remember that. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. She went back in the room, said a little prayer, and to the chagrin of everybody, to the surprise for sure of everybody, she got... She got back up and and walked out of the hospital. And about a block or so away from the hospital, there there there's a there was this church. And when she saw the church, and I remember this vividly because this is kind of what I was describing her. I remember that she literally got on her knees and she crawled all the way to the entrance of the church. There was like a little boulevard, and and when she got to the front altar, she was in deep prayer, almost meditative type of a prayer. Mm -hmm. But here again, the energy kind of shifted in, in the church. It was as though it wasn't this heaviness of grief that you would expect. It was, mm -hmm. 
she was in in this state of gratitude appreciation of just having had six months with me that was what her prayer was it was thank you so much for the time i had with with my child kind of a thing and i remember the prayer very specifically and at, at a certain point, it wasn't very long into her prayer that things again kind of shifted and the air got lighter and the energy got lighter. And she was able to, unbeknownst to her, she was able to see visions of my life, hmm. of what I would be like in the future if I could live. And so it was, she remember, she was, she always told me that she didn't really remember shifting. She just remembers that these visions started occurring. And, and basically, it was me being a good father, a good husband, a good son, a good, a good person. And she remembers having this complete sense of calmness come through and, and again, gratitude and appreciation that she was able to see this, even though she knew she would never actually experience it with me, because for what she knew, by the time she came back, I was going to be dead. Mm. But she was so appreciative. And so at that moment, when this calmness kind of swept through, she got back up. She went, she kind of had this sense that everything was going to be all right. She didn't know if that meant all right because she could handle the news when she got back, or she could, or, or really, or whether it was something else. Okay. She she just didn't know, but she didn't really care. She went back to the hospital and she got greeted by the doctors and family member and she said she was really surprised because they were crying but they were tears of joy and and all of this i'm seeing all of this in my dream and um and they said you know back then and even today they said you know we don't know exactly what happened mm. but in the yeah. time that you were gone the, your your baby went from being pretty much dead all his organs were shutting down his vitals were going we really thought he was going to die and now everything has changed the vitals went up organs came back everything even his condition mm -hmm. was different and all they could tell her well, it had to be a miracle and that was so enough my mother was a very 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 stout catholic woman i mean look what she just did she, that was all she needed to hear mm -hmm. And that's all the doctors could give her. So then, so, go ahead. Yeah. So so what happened? So that's from the outside perspective. How about the your perspective going on the other side? What was that like? So, in a lot of those visions, the next thing I remember was being in this sort of desert. I don't, I don't know where exactly, but it was very bright. It was it was it was even though it was a desert, it didn't feel like a desert per se it was, it was there was vibrancy in it and i remember looking down and i see this this old man he he was a pretty fragile old man like almost like a beggar looking and extending his hand out and he was looking at me and i um i thought he was looking at me it turns out he was looking behind me and when i looked behind me there was this beautiful orb I mean, and it was like 10, five to 10 times bigger easily than what we would consider the sun to be. But I remember at that moment that it didn't hurt my eyes. And I kept thinking to myself, why isn't it hurting my eyes? Because this thing is really brilliant. And when I went to look back down, the, the beggar man was now 
this boy, a fragile little boy. And I, same thing, he was looking through me and I look back and there was this orbit. It was now coming closer to me. And as he got closer to me, I could start feeling sensory wise. I started feeling this connection with it. And what, and what I specifically remember was that my cells, okay, you have what, 50 trillion cells in your body, something like that. I could feel each one of those cells. They were, they were vibrating like uncontrollably, like as if they were like hungry for this energy, for this light. And as the light got closer to me, those, the cells literally just erupted. Like I felt the way I described it was, and this is kind of the, the thing that I always to this day remember is that I didn't feel it like me feeling all this vibration. It was me feeling 50 trillion selves of me expressing itself in bliss for, for like two, three, four seconds. I felt me as 50 trillion me's mm. and it was amazing. I, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to, to put it into words because I don't know what that would be like to actually experience yourself 50 trillion times in one particular moment. Mm-hmm. And back then, I mean, forget it. I didn't have any any way of even knowing what just happened. Well, really quickly, are you perceiving all of this as a six month old or as an older? As a six month old. You see, see that's like the thing. Intellectually, 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 it's funny you mentioned that because I always explain it this way. When we pass, there is no such thing as time and space. Right. We're just we're just simply consciousness. And so I was experiencing something in our linear time that was 15, 16 years later. But in the in in the metaphysical aspect of it, there is no such thing as that. There's only the now. So that experience in, that happened 15 or 16 years ago in that point was happening to me right at that moment. It it what there was no difference. At right, least but, I couldn't, I couldn't right, explain. So how, but because uh, a lot of times I've had children come on, yeah, or not children, but I have people who who crossed over as a child, yeah, and they see the world, uh, the other side as a child, they yes. because they have no reference point because they still are, they're farthest, they're farther away from source, five, six, seven years, that they can, they're basically looking at it and perceiving everything as a seven year old, but yeah. you were six months old, so you were right, close by. To source, you were still a child, a baby, an infant. Yes. So I'm assuming that you didn't have an intellectual. You were, uh, you were dealing with this or uh, experiencing this as consciousness. I was experiencing it as consciousness because in the other okay. So the other thing that people um, oftentimes have a have a hard time grappling grappling with is that we don't experience just this life. Okay, right. we 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 have experienced lives like this a lot of times. So when mm-hmm. you when one says, you know, did you, when one asks, you know, like, did you experience it as a baby or as an adult? I experienced it the way I experienced it a thousand times before because it's that's to me to us that's real. Mm-hmm. This this is not okay. And so when I it's kind of like going back to a favorite place that you've always been to, whether or not sure. you did it now or whether you did it 20 years ago or or even in a different life with a different personality or what have you i'm hoping that i can make i could i can kind of explain that because to me it was like going back home 
And sure. it didn't matter that I had, you know, died and re and saw it from a six month perspective. Now there is a little twist to this that comes in a little later, which mm -hmm. is that some of this was also attributed to the fact that I had, I had a, what's called a walk-in experience. So I switched souls, if you will, in the process of experiencing the near death. And that was something that didn't come to me until much later in life. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Where I actually thought that I had always felt like I was slightly disconnected from this avatar body. Like, like the coding was there, like, like everything seemed to match up properly, but I just didn't feel like I was originally in this body. And so that also attributed to the way that I experienced some of the visions that I had in that experience of the near death and also the things that I would see later on in my channeling. Well, do you, do you as a walk-in remember yes. prior pre-birth pre experiences or no? Yes. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Well, that could be a long conversation, but <laughs> so um, walk-ins have different, different, I'll just call them missions here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, when a walk-in comes in, they they have a specific role and not all walk-ins come from the same place. So like in my particular case, my, my experiences have always been um, direct with source, God, whatever you want to call it, um, as part of a group of spiritual beings that are here and go elsewhere to help to help plant the seeds, if you will, and then watch the seeds bloom in what would be called schools, mm. um, this earth school and many others throughout throughout the universe and multiverse and mm. and multi dimensions, really. Um, so I started to see visions of the various lives that I have lived, not just here, but in other places that I would call more like my home or places that I've, I've existed in more often than here. Um, there are teams that do what they call themselves architects. There are teams that come here and design and basically put together the, the structure for, for a school like this. Mm. And we visit this world from from the beginning of this earth school and previous earth schools. And we, and by the way, I've never really mentioned any of this to anybody. So this is the first time that anybody's really kind of hearing this. Okay. Um, yeah. But we we're here with, with what one would consider linear time at the beginning of all this. And we come through various cycles of humanity to make sure that humanity is still on the course that it's supposed to be. And then we come at the end, um, which is why we're here. So uh, so when I particularly came here was the opportunity the opportunity presented itself through the, the through this divine act of unconditional love that my mother had to open up a portal, if you will, for me to enter into this vessel. Mm. And so my experiences are somewhat different than others because I have a really clear picture of 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 what I was supposed to do here and the, and the NDE was part of it but it was just the opportunity 
to to come in at this time. Uh, frankly, you're like a smorgasbord of spiritual stuff going on. I mean, you've got all <laughs> sorts of stuff that you got. Well, I'm telling you, man. I'm, rebirth. I'm, really, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, there, there. It, it gives you a flavor, Alex. I, I hope it, it gives people a flavor who are listening to thing, listening to this. Mm-hmm. That we are so much more oh. than what we have been shown, even in some of the things that maybe near-death experience people have seen. And I have had a lot of conversations with near-death experiencers, and I have explained my sort of different role here, and I've explained to them how how their experience was meant for them to come back and not just share the story of what happened on the other side. See, we can get fixated on that all day long, and people want that. They want to know what's on the other side. But what a lot of these NDAers are starting to realize is that when they came back, they were resequenced genetically, not biologically, but but spiritually, they were resequenced so that eventually they would start to remember not just the specifics of what happened in the near death, but the things that I'm telling you right now, some of the stuff that's happening, why it's happening, why did they come back? They were messengers. And they flip out. Some of them flip out because they, they've always struggled with what happened and why it happened and what's happening now to them. And when I tell them that they came back as messengers, but not just of what happened on the other side, but what's coming, hmm. then they really get excited and they remember. So, sorry. So, so you're, so you've, you're in the desert. There's a yeah, sorry, man, yeah. young, young boy. We're back. Okay. There's an orb there. What else? What goes on? Well, probably one of the most powerful things that happened was when I was in the orb and I was having this blissful experience. I remember having, I remember looking and seeing all of these sort of silhouettes and it was, it was these dark silhouettes on the, on the, this beautiful whitish goldish background. And I remember clearly that I knew them. Right. And I knew who they were, but they weren't from this life. They were from many, many, many lives in different places. And what was interesting was that I remember that they I felt what they were communicating. There was there was no audible stuff like what we're doing here. It was all just vibrational. And I Instant. felt it. Instant. Yeah. And, and I could feel so like in in energy, there's this thing called energetic signatures and I could feel their energetic signature. I could feel I knew who exactly they were without having to see specific characteristics of or features of anything. I also felt like this entity was surrounding me, like it was like it was guiding me and kind of showing me around. But what I remember was that at a certain point when I was like, I don't know how long I was in this whole experience, but I remember that they they insisted that I really look at something. So I kept hearing him say, what do you see? And at first I was like, I'm just so wrapped up in this. I don't really, sorry, I don't really care what I see. I'm just going to tell you what I could feel. But I could feel that they were really insistent and I wasn't going to go anywhere else, whatever that was, until I could see what they were insisting on me seeing, but not with my eyes. It was as if they were asking me to feel this whole thing. So I remember looking around and I remember that things got really crisp and really vivid and it and at that moment, as I'm gazing on my mind, I literally could feel like I'm there right now. And I I could see this in un, this infinite stream of individual lights, just infinite. You, you, you can never count them. 
And at that moment, just as I really, that aha moment, mm -hmm. I felt this thing grab me and this, and push me back. I mean, it was like, all right, you saw it. We, we know now that you got it. Let's go. And I was like free falling through this beautiful canal and knowing that I was leaving somewhere that was more at home to me. And I landed and just like it did over and over and over again, I started crying. I just didn't want to be here. And this is at 15 and 16. So you can imagine why I wasn't going to go and share this with anybody. No. Okay. Yeah. So here's what I saw. Okay which is huge, all right? Because it dawned on me years later. It didn't dawn on me. They've been walking me through and getting me ready for this because this is one of the messages that I had to bring back. Mm -hmm. What I saw was, yes, I saw infinite number of spiritual beings. I mean, amazing beings, okay? It, it's what I felt, and I realized at that point that I understood oneness. And it was at that point that I realized what they wanted me to bring back, which was the message that just, just as much as we've been shown, and this is really kind of in recent times where we've been told that we have the spark of divinity in us and we have to try to find it and work with it and whatever, though there is truth to that, what is more of the truth is what lies beyond that. And that was that oneness, this thing, God or source, whatever you want to call it, has just as much of us in it as we believe we have of it in us. In other words, oneness was created by the individuality of all these supreme beings coming together as a community and it formed oneness. God didn't make us we made God. Hmm. And that, my friend, is a paradigm shifter. Hmm. Now, if you don't necessarily know if you can grasp that and you know where you want to go with it, some time ago I was shown a vision. And I'm not a biblical person. I, I hate, you know, I, I'm not going to say I hate a minute, but I just wasn't. I just didn't grow up like that. Even though my parents, my mom in particular, was really Catholic. Uh, I just I just wasn't. It didn't mean, make sense to me. But I was shown a verse in, in, in the Bible. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And it was in Genesis. And it was like verse 26, I believe. People can go check. I, I'm not quite, like I said, I don't know. But in there, there's a discussion about how man, or back then it was man, now it's humans, were made in the image of God, right? Which is what we were told. But in that same verse, everything that was discussed wasn't in the image of God, like as if it were a he. Everything, there are plural words in there of us being made in their image, in our image, it was clear, black and white. It blew, it blew my mind, even though I had been, I, I'd seen it in firsthand. It blew my mind that something so clear was in one of these most sacred books. And it was plural, just the way they showed it to me, that moment that I experienced that. 
And it all came together for me. I mean, it was already together. Maybe I just needed some validation, but it, it made complete sense. Hmm. We have always been told just the opposite, that we're just this tiny little speck. Depending on the religion that you come from, you're either in a tiny little speck that inherited original sin or you're a tiny little speck that in, inherited karma or something else. So not only are you tiny and disconnected in some way, but you also have to carry this cross or this burden of something that you supposedly you did in the past. We were told that that's how we had to view our life. And now they're telling me that that was intentional because of the way the school was designed of contrast and duality. Mm. We had to do that in order to experience ourselves as what we would never be. Right. But that isn't what we're here to do now, Alex. We're here. And the reason why there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that are finally sharing their stories, not just near-death experiences, but STE, super, you know, spiritually transforming experience, and all these other ones. The reason that we're here now is to wake up to our divinity. Right. And the divinity isn't just this thing that says we're connected to God or we have a we have the spark of God in us, but that we are God. Period. We are an extension without question. Well, that. see, that's where that's where I took <laughs> I took a long time, Alex. This wasn't something that I just decided one day to start telling people or writing a book about it. And it, my, the book goes into more of an explanation about how if you view God as energy in the, in the beginning and there's no end and there's a beginning and we're part of that energy, then therefore we are all, I mean, I could take it from that side if you want to. Mm -hmm. But the whole point is that it would not just extensions. We actually are the pieces that put the puzzle together. They created the oneness. It's kind of like an ocean. You take We're away all the drops. We're all the drops. Yeah, if, if the drops, or let's take the sand. If you take away a grain of sand, you go, well, nothing's really changed. But it did. You changed, you changed that forever. But if you take them all away, separate them all the trillions upon trillions upon trillions, you no longer have an ocean floor. Mm. It happened because individually, and this is a, a natural instinctive thing that we do as a spiritual species. We do want to form community, which is why things like like Darwinism went contrary to that because we were in the school of duality. Everything that was told to us was flipped upside down so that we could remember how to flip it back up again. And so that, and, and it, there's a whole bunch of stuff in so many different religions and in so many different spiritual traditions that talk about this whole experience. But yeah, the I mean, Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, I said the hardest thing, the hardest thing that I grappled with was, you know, so I, I channel and I channel this collective called Caleb and I, and they, they've been sort of prepping me all my life to put together these messages and then show this kind of teaching called the way of the inner child, which is also a teaching or a practice that's been lost for thousands of years. But Buddha, Yeshua, all of them talk about it. Okay. They, I was like, look, guys, I don't want to stick my neck out here. All right. I mean, what you're, what you are telling me is because of what I saw and what I have now gone through, I, 
it's time that humanity humanity realizes it. When you mm-hmm. die, Alex, you realize it the moment you die. Mm-hmm. When you die, you realize you're going back into the light because that's your home because you created it with your community. You created it with your community. Everything that you've said, you know, in one way, shape, or form rings true in some of the great ancient texts, um, the Vedic texts and things like that, the older, the oldest texts that we have, Sumerian texts and things like yes. that. These are these are ideas that have been around for a while. Um, they've they're they're slightly differently angled than I've used to hearing, but it's all pretty much the same message. Um, which is the thing that I continuously hear again and again from my perspective of talking to so many near-death experiencers, channelers, uh, spiritual people, uh, yogis, masters. It, it all the, the truth is the truth. And it just keeps coming again and again. Different flavors of it, but it's still the truth. You can cook a hot dog of 50, 50 different ways, <laughs> but it's a hot dog nevertheless. It is, you know, unless it's a turkey dog or a chicken dog or a beef dog, because... The reason I say that is because we've been dancing around something that we know inherently is truth. We've been dancing around it. And that is that, you know, we we're afraid to 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 consider the what would have been the unimaginable, the 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 thing that would have created heresy and oh, this all is sorts heresy. of things. You should be burned at the stake, sir. You're a demon, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah, obviously. not even not not even a hundred years ago, I probably could have been burned at the stake. Still, probably, if somebody wanted to do it very quietly somewhere. <laughs> okay, but the truth is the truth is the truth is the truth, and there's plenty of references everywhere that says we're not just, we're not just extensions, we're not just these little sparks. If if you follow the way that that nature works in its desire to be one, it makes complete sense that as we are nature, nature is us, we have spiritually the desire to reunite ourselves with the greater version of what we created. Hmm. Of what we created. Because there's always has to be a singularity of some kind. Now there could be multiple singularities, and which is what happens in 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 nature, let's call it. But there's multiple, and they come together to experience themselves as biggerness, oneness. There's no difference in the world of 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 the metaphysics of the spiritual, the angelic. It's no different, and they were really insistent that I see that before I came back. So let's talk about your this channel because you're not only a near death experiencer, um, but you're also a channeler. Um, yes. Tell me about your channeling. How do you channel? Is it something that it's just there all the time? Do you go into a trance? How does it work? It, it depends on the person, but for me, it's natural. And the reason why it's natural is not is is because it happened to because the transition happened to me so early on like you said it ha- I was literally not that far removed from having been over on the other place okay mm-hmm. so for me you know the genetic sequencing I I, I use that reference because there, there is a lot of what you would consider to be science but it's not it's intelligence there's a lot of that that happens in the first several years of life in fact I, I will tell you it actually happens in the in the nine months that we're inside our mother's womb actually Mm -hmm. there's more of that that happens there Mm -hmm. but relative to your question it all sort of 
as sort of neural networks and stuff began to form, it all just came together naturally. So for me, it just happens. I mean, I literally can walk into a room and within just a few minutes, not even, I could read not your energy, but I could read your vibration. So all I would need you to do was like we did when before we got on the on the show is I just needed to hear you speak a little bit. And right. from there, I could hear your vibration. I could hear your energetic signature. And I mm -hmm. could start talking about things that I could feel about you, especially things that were present to you now and things that could potentially happen in the future. That might That's different than most other channelers that I'm aware of because I really tap into your soul. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I, I really am able to do that because that was one of the gifts. Now we can all do this. Right. We just haven't allowed ourselves to get that intimate with it. We can't even allow ourselves to accept the fact that when we're talking to ourselves, we're actually talking to our divinity. Right. Or when we hear a voice or we get an intuition, we we can't even accept that those are subtle communications with our higher divine self, much less, all right, let's go full gangbusters and allow ourselves to tap into each other's soul. Because there's this thing in, in our language called entanglement. And we have that entanglement everywhere. We're not disconnected in any way, shape or form. And so it's easy through this umbilical cord, if you want to call it that, because it really actually is, we can connect. That's what we, we are naturally connectors. What, but you're saying as a channel, though, you say you channel a collective. Yes. Is that channeling through this process of connecting to the person's vibration? That no, that information it, I, mean, comes I, in? I have it as a, it's kind of like my own, my umbilical cord to the universal soul, which we all have. Right. Kind of imagine yourself in, you know, this is going to date me a little bit, Alex, but it's kind of like, like being in a room, a huge room where all these switchboard operators are taking calls and sure. they're kind of, okay. And in my end of the room, I may, I'm connecting to this aspect, the same room, the same system. Okay. The same stream of consciousness, if you will, but I'm connecting on one end of the room. Somebody else is connecting on another end somewhere else in another so so my collectiveness is no different than seth that came back that came here back many many years ago abraham hicks abraham or any of the other channelers cryon or any of the others they're just they're just connecting to a certain channel that comes in and they go into the same stream of consciousness because we're all that got you got you got you oh it's a very interesting way of channeling i've spoken to a lot of channelers uh, and <laughs> everyone's different and everyone's different completely. Uh, I mean, frankly, you're, you're fascinating, my friend, to say the least. You've gone through some, um, some interesting stuff in your lifetime so far. And you're in the stuff that you're bringing back is really, there's seeds that need to be planted for people to really start to wake up in many ways. Yeah. And you know what, Alex, it's not like we, what we're going to do this for the next couple hundred years. And this is the real biggie thing. So besides the fact that, that one of the messages was we are God, another message is that we, that we exist in the simulated reality. And how does that work relative to the whole spiritualness that we're experiencing? And then the third one is that we are here right now, right now, not a hundred years from now, right now we're here to wake up to the first two truths 
to realize who we really are so that we can usher in what so many have talked about in this in in this particular time in human history there's no tomorrow because in any sense there is no tomorrow there's no such thing as the tomorrow but this is it everybody i always tell people that what we have waited for what humanity has waited for for thousands of years is now here and they say to me well how's that possible the world hasn't changed and I say, because what we've been waiting for was actually just us. We yeah. have to wake up. And if we could wake up, which is why, like, biblically, the kingdom of heaven is inside of you, okay? The gateless gate and the unknown, if you want to go Eastern tradition, it's inside of you. We have always been able to do this. We just had to wake up. And now is the time. It's not tomorrow, next month, it's now. I mean, that's the biggest message they wanted me to bring back. It's now. Again, from this front row seat that I, I am so blessed and humbled to do and talking to people like yourself daily now, um, I keep hearing the same message. Yeah, Just coming in from different perspectives, the same message. It is time to awaken. People are hungry. Yes. They're starving for this information. Um, the numbers of my show dictate that there's somebody out there who's really hungry for this. And it's um, just beginning. And it's just the beginning. I think this is the start of the great awakening that we're all um, we're all hungry for. And know? that's the, 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 I, I love the way you phrase this, Alex, because in the world of duality, okay, you cannot experience something in the wanting if you don't know what it is that you want, if you haven't experienced it already. So our desire, our hunger, and this is what drives people literally mad, is that it's not just that they are desiring something out there. They're not even quite sure what, what the heck they're desiring. I mean, it's not like, like they're desiring what the word is, you know, what everybody's mm -hmm. talking about. It's the fact that they know deep down inside, they know what it is that they're hungry for. They know what it is that they're thirsty for. They may not be able to articulate it, but they know it. In the world of contrast, you cannot be hungry for something unless you've already experienced it. And they know it because they know what lies on the other side. The reason why, they, why they're fascinated about the other side isn't because they're trying to reaffirm something about you know, how it fits into their system right now. They want to remember. They want to remember something, a nugget, something that somebody says or an experience. Something will trigger the remembering of what it was like on the other side. That's why they're doing it because they've already had it and they want to remember it more. I mean, not to be cliche, but we, we you know, we're all Neo trying to wake up from the matrix in many ways. <laughs> I don't, I, look, look, I want to tell you something. The universe, the, this, this aspect of ourselves, okay? That, that in the book, it's in the book, it, it talks about the game, all right? And in the book, the book when I when I wrote it, I did it in a channeling state with Caleb. I never knew what I was going to write. I just would go in and write it. And there is a section called the game, and the game talks kind of dances around what you just said. Okay, we have been in the game. We are given clues, just like a great virtual reality game would be. Okay, we got to look at it that way. Okay, because it is a massive virtual reality game that is enabling us 
to get clues along. I mean, I don't know anything much about the way kids play virtual reality games, but I do know this, that when they go through those experiences, there's always clues and riddles and passageways and secret hiding places. And and it, the game fills you with those. And if you could figure them out, you figure out how the game works and then eventually you evolve outside of that game. Either you go on to a higher level of the game or the game changes and they have to come up with another system. Okay. And this isn't meant to be really cryptic so people don't get it or they were computerized in any way. But this is how the school works is you had to figure out the riddles. And the fact that Hollywood, I know there's a lot of people that say some things about Hollywood and I'm not going to be here to question it either which way from Sunday. But what I am telling you is that those things are embedded in the messages, the books you read, whatever books you read, the conversations you have, the movies you see. They're giving you a glimpse of reality just as similar as that passage I told you in Genesis. It's a glimpse. But if they told you, if they came out in your face and they said, okay, this is how it works, the game's over. And that's not right. how it works. And and they wouldn't believe it either, you know. Well, just... they would have to eventually believe it because embedded in you are genetic coding, sequencing, that eventually what? as your energy rises, they start oh, no. to pop. And as then... your energy rises, but if your energy has not risen and you tell them, they're not gonna they're just gonna exactly. But it but like you know, like you know, you're in a popcorn maker, right? The first one pops, the second one pops, and the next thing you know, all of them start to pop. It only takes the few to start popping, to start raising the energetic frequency of this planet. And everybody can tell you that. I mean, you've had some great guests on the planet that could tell you that, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at it, like you said, from a different lens, from a spiritual lens. It only takes a few and the energy starts to rise. We're at a point where the energy has risen so high that everybody, like I said, your show, just wait. The popcorn is just ready to start popping and the frequency of this planet is going to start rising and people say well how is it possible what you're telling me because part of what i also see are prophecies timelines mm -hmm. the splitting of the earth and the fifth dimension third dimension and i write i talk about all of this in the in the book and i'm writing mm -hmm. a second book about it we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show and all of that has to do with where we're at with humanity. It doesn't take everybody to, to remember right away. It just takes those few, which is why you are doing this show. Not with just me, but with everybody. Because we're embedded with signatures, binary codes, if you will. And once those, those trick, once that frequency rises, it's like a bomb. Once it gets to that point, it triggers and there's no looking back. It's kind of like the matrix. Mm -hmm. At some point, you have to decide whether you take the red pill or the blue pill. <laughs> Seriously. And yeah. once you take the red pill, Alex, Can't you will never, ever come back again. Mm -hmm. And all I do as a spiritual guy, when I work with my students and stuff, when I teach them the way of the inner child, I always tell them the same thing when they start. I said, you have to decide where you want to be at this point. And I always use that reference. And then I say, all I can show you is the truth, what you do with it after that. And I guarantee you, every one of my students who take the red pill come back differently. They never go back to that reality. They come back in a way that is so entirely different. Um, 
Frank, I can keep talking to you for a few hours without questions. <laughs> I know, already. right? Uh, but I'm <laughs> going to ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. Yeah, sure. What is your definition of living a fulfilled life? Being completely aware of yourself as truth and light. If you can get in a time machine and go back to talk to the young boy, the little boy in you, mm -hmm. that was you, what advice would you give him? Well, that's kind of an unfair question because I do it all the time. So, uh, <laughs> so it's just one of the things you tell them then. <laughs> I, I would never change anything that I have done. Mm -hmm. I, it is, 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 as tempting as it would be, don't change anything that you have done. Every trial, every tribulation, every experience that you've had has brought you to this precise point. Don't change anything. Just if anything, go for, go, go with the flow. Write it, be the tide, be the wave instead of being drowned by it all the time. How do you define God or source? I am. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? To wake up and realize <laughs> that I am. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing, my friend? Um, I have a website. It's called the, theclosetspiritualist.com. And you have to put the because there is somebody that has a different one. Uh, the the closetspiritualist.com is the best way to reach me. I do have Facebook. I, I do have Instagram, but you can find all that at the website. Um, you could also email me and there's a way to do a contact form there. And I'd be happy to, to try to talk to people. Um, suffice it to say, it's become in, uh, a little bit difficult these days to do that. Uh, but I will try if I can to contact people. But I also do the the consultations and what I really, 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 really encourage people. If you're feeling something from this conversation, um, reach out to me and, and learn more about how to be a student mm. um, so that I can show you how to remember the way of the inner child and it will completely change your life. And do you have any parting messages for the audience, my friend? Yes. Um, the biggest parting message is this, and it kind of gets back to what I just said which is to say everything that you have done, you have done it for a purpose. If you feel that you've been disconnected and that disconnection has led to so many trials and tribulations, depression, suicidal thoughts, disconnections, or whatever label people put, understand that those were never maladies. Those were never maladies, even though you were told they were. Understand that they were simply there to help remind you that you are so much more than what anybody has ever told you. And certainly nothing like a label could ever be tagged on you. If your experience has been that in your life, then you have come to the right place in your life. You're here now. You're ready to wake up in whatever way you want to do and see it as a blessing because there are so many people right now that are walking this life and haven't even begun to experience what you have experienced. You are genuine and you are perfection. You are perfection if you have done this already, done the journey, the in, even some parts of the inner quest. You are perfection. And you are ready to wake up and shine so that the world could see that you are the light of the world. That wasn't just a designation for one person. That one person said we would all one day 
be the light of the world. And it's time for you to shine. My friend, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your journey, sharing your wisdom. I appreciate you and the work you're doing in the world. My friend. I appreciate you, you so Alex. Thank you. I want to thank Franco so much for coming on the show and sharing his story with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 277. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.